Words of God for us from Isaiah chapters 8 and 9. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he, that's God, humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is the word of our Lord. What's the difference between the devil and the boogeyman? The boogeyman is in, in your head. The boogeyman is a thought. And so, if, a, if your four-year-old daughter is scared of the boogeyman, if she changes her thinking and simply changes the thought and gets rid of that thought and, and believes and knows there is no boogeyman, then he's no longer hiding in the closet or haunting in the shadows. Poof! He's gone. 25% of Americans who call themselves Christians, who identify themselves as Christians, 25% believe that the devil is real. 25% of Americans who call themselves Christians believe that the devil is a thought. That if you just change your thinking and you just, that he's a fairy tale, that he's a figment of imagination. If I just think he's not real, kind of like thinking my taxes aren't real, then they're gone. Does that work? Open your Bible, or your app, this morning. We love using our Bibles, and we want to do that more. Open yours to Ephesians chapter 6. And while you do that, I'm going to read you a quote. And this is a quote from C.S. Lewis, a Christian author, writer, and speaker. And uh, he says this about the devil. There are two equal and opposite errors into which we can fall about the devils. He's talking about the main devil, the leader, and demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. Now, based on that survey that 25% of Americans who call themselves Christians, and my own personal experience and my observation of believers as a pastor, I believe that we tend to lean toward one of those errors more than the other. And it's the one that tends to not believe and not pay attention to the devil and demons. Not the unhealthy interest. I don't minister to a lot of people who are, in an excessive way, interested in the occult or the devil. But we're going to talk about that this morning so you know. 
typically we, I'm talking about us, aren't as engaged and in tune with what the devil has going on in our lives as we should be. We're going to unpack that a little bit this morning, but right now we just need to focus on this spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual battle going on in your world for your soul right now, and it says that in Ephesians chapter 6. Our struggle is not against, you say it, Right? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, that's the spirit world. This whole verse is talking about the spirit world, even powers and authorities. Those are names for spirit beings. And there's a, there's a spiritual battle going on right now. So, we have this physical world around us. You know, it's Finding a parking spot at HEB, it's experiencing cedar pollen, you know, it's the spiritual world, it's the physical world around us. Uh, so we're, I'm commenting on Ephesians 6, that verse, right? And uh, there's a, it's saying there's two worlds. There's a physical world, we see that every day we experience it. It's, it's opening a can of tuna and having tuna for lunch. It's just the normal everyday routine stuff. But there's a spirit world that's just as real. And it's, it's going on around you. Um, that close call you had in the parking lot when you, both of you, you and another car were coming around and you met at a corner and you both squealed and slammed on your brakes and you, and you almost hit each other? There is a demon at work right there trying to get you to crash so you would jump out of your car in road rage, scream at the other person, lose your religion, murder them, go to jail, be removed from your family, and cause all kinds of chaos and ugliness and cause you to separate from God and go to hell. He would have loved that. And there was an angel that God sent that kept you from having that crash. All behind the scenes, all with unnoticed, unheard, you didn't observe it, but it was real, and its impact was the lack of impact in that accident. You had two spirit beings, each had an assignment with your name on it, that very minute, each had a mission sent from their boss and you were, your name was on that assignment go to Jude, it's the second last book of the Bible sometimes the Bible gives us, a, a pulls the curtain back and gives us a glimpse into the spirit world, but it's not often and it's not something that we normally on an everyday basis see and observe, even though it has effects and impacts like I told you about. So this little book of the Bible, Jude, right before Revelation, right? If you go to verse 9, this is one of those glimpses. It says, the archangel Michael was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses. That God's good angel, Michael, couldn't do exactly what he wanted with the, Moses' body because he was interrupted, literally interrupted by a bad spirit. Daniel chapter 10 uh, talks about this heavenly spirit coming to Daniel. And the heavenly spirit says, you know, I would have been here sooner, but I was detained by an evil spirit. There's impact that the spirit world, the bad world, and the good world, they have on each other. There's a clash going on, a battle. It's spiritual warfare, and it's real, and it's dark, and it's dangerous. So, where did this kingdom of darkness come from? What do they want with you? 
And how do they operate? If we pay attention in the Bible, we have answers to all those questions. So we're not clueless in this battle. Question number one, where'd they come from? You're in Jude. Go to verse 6 now. And this, this tells you where the devil and his demons came from. Jude verse 6 says, The angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these God has kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Okay, so there's, these are angels, all spirit beings, are, they're all angels, they were all created by God during the six days of creation, but some of the angels rebelled against God, they abandoned their proper dwelling, their real home, their good home, heaven, and they, they would rather operate under the devil in hell, and so they became bad angels. So now we have two groups, good angels who listen to God, and bad angels who always listen to their leader, the devil. That's where the devil and his demons came from. All right, now scooch to Revelation from Jude now. So go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 12. And I'm going to tell you what the devil and his demons want. And you're not going to like it. Revelation 12, verse 12, it speaks of the devil like he's this caged, cornered animal. And here's what it says. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So the Jude verse talked about the devil and demons being on chains. But they're not physical chains. It's kind of like a dog leash in that it prevents them from going everywhere they want. But it's a spiritual prevention. It's not physical. And so God has judged the devil and his demons forever, ever. They're chained to hell, and they're, they're, they can't escape judgment, but they're not confined to the zip code of hell. Their chain is long, so to speak, and they can roam the earth. They're limited, but they can roam the earth. So that's what this is talking about. Woe to you, earth. The devil's gone down to you. I'd watch out. He's mad. He hates God. He hates you. And he wants to kill you. He wants to grab your soul. He wants to yank you into hell and have you chained to hell where he can torture you forever. And all his demons agree. That's what they want. Now, you're, you're saying like, dude, chill. There's... Relax. I'm, I'm not so sure about all this evil warfare and battles. You're, you're go, I'm going to go home and sit in my recliner and watch the football game and there ain't, ain't going to be no demons around. Chill your jets. Oh boy. If you're thinking that, then I need to tell you that you have fallen victim to the number one strategy of the devil and his demons. The number one strategy. You know what it is? Deception and diversion. Getting you to think one thing while the other thing is happening. Getting you to not notice that they're around. The Bible says the devil masquerades like an angel of light. You think he's good, but he's bad. 
His messengers are wolves in sheep's clothing, the Bible says. They look harmless. And they're going to get you. Diversion and deception. If you're saying, there's nothing going on here. The devil is near. And his strategy is working. Now, all this talk about the devil, and I'm going to talk about the occult now, comes from the, the words in this lesson from Isaiah. In ancient times, God's people were under the... They were, there was spiritual warfare going on. There were God's people. The devil didn't like that. He was angry at that. He wanted to stop it. He didn't want Jesus to be born. He was focused against this. He was at war. And so... He kept his strategy going of, of diversion and deception, except there's another part of his strategy. And that's this. The, the devil and his kingdom of darkness, his kingdom of evil, are very intelligent, very organized, very strategic, very precise. The devil is an, is an evil angel. Angels are not omnipresent. They're not ev no angel can be everywhere, only one spot at one time. The devil is not everywhere. He's in one place right now. So if he's bugging me, he's not going to be bugging you, but his demons will be. So he has many, 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 many evil spirits, and, and they take note, and they're around the world, and they observe, and they analyze, and they have more information than... Apple does about your iPhone. They're in the background operating. and they're, So they're not omniscient. They don't know everything. They're not everywhere, but there's many of them. And they're organized and they know how to get information and evaluate it and analyze it. And that makes the devil's kingdom very smart, very wise. And the owners of information that we in the physical world don't possess, or at least we haven't put it together the pieces. And then they peddle that information. And the devil and his demons will come and say, Oh, you're not getting answers from God that you need? Oh, God's keeping you in the dark about what you rightly should know? You're entitled to this? Aren't you his child? Isn't he your father? Shouldn't he be telling you these things? We have answers for you. Would you like them? We can tell you what God won't tell you. How about it? And the people in Isaiah's time went to mediums and spiritists to find out information that they believed seriously was lacking in their lives and it was God's fault. We can do that today, too. If, you, if you'd really, really like to, don't do it. But it's out there. Psychics, I'm talking about occult practices here. Psychics, mediums, spiritists, channeling, calling up the dead, crystal ball, tarot cards, Ouija board, horoscope, getting serious about your fortune cookie. It's not just a joke, but you really believe it? Bad stuff. Uh, it's all the devil and his demons in the kingdom of darkness saying, we'll tell you. God won't tell you, we'll tell you. 
There's a psychic right here in Pflugerville. I googled it. I found her. Right? Here's what it says on her website. I'm able to hear spirit guides speaking to me. That kind of sounds nice, doesn't it? We can get this information, okay? Now, she has a Q&A section on her website. And, and one lady writes in and she says, I think my, my, my grandmother died, but my daughter really behaves a lot like my grandmother did. I think my grandmother's soul has come and now is, is in my daughter. What do you think? Here's a, the, the, this psychic in Pflugerville. Here's her answer. When I asked if your grandmother has come back, I'm feeling she most likely has. When I asked, asked who? The only ones who know the answer and are willing to share it. It's a dark, deceptive kingdom. Be careful. Be very careful. It will come at you unnoticed. The soccer mom across the street could be the devil's own channel and doesn't look like it, but she is. So during the days of Isaiah, the people were desperate for answers. Um, they went to mediums and spiritists. They went to soothsayers and, and psychics. God, for centuries, God had told them not to do this. The practice had existed for a long time. Remember the, the magicians in Egypt that could do miracles, uh, right? So this practice had existed. Um, here's what then, through Isaiah, God said, this is what's going to happen to those people who go to mediums and spiritists. Okay? I'm telling you, God says, this is what's going to happen. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. Does that look like someone who has answers? When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward, they will curse their king and their god. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Does that sound like mediums and spiritists do the job? Does that sound like a Ouija board is your place to turn for answers? Does it sound like a crystal ball is a good idea? That having your palm read at the psychic is going to do it for you? God's people rejected him and refused to trust in him, and they sought advice and alliances from other kingdoms and, and the spiritual kingdom of darkness. And it cost them big time. So uh, foreign, foreign armies invaded, right? And when they invaded... They, they took the food supplies, distressed and hungry is what the people became because of the foreign invasions that came on the land. And they opened their doors to this. And then there was famine, they didn't have any food, there was nothing in the shelves. They cursed their king, who was evil and leading the way, who led them into the occult practices. They cursed their king, they even cursed God. God, it's your fault. And where'd they end up? They were looking for light and ended up in utter darkness, distress, fearful gloom. And, and the devil could wrap one more of his claws around them as he was bringing them closer to his lair. Why would they do that? I mean, isn't that an obvious question? Come on, folks. 
Why, why are you turning to the occult, to mediums and spiritists, to psychics, when you're the people of God? And he's given you the prophets, and Moses walks among you, and Isaiah walks among you, and God speaks to you directly through... God doesn't speak directly through me, but he did through Isaiah. And you love hearing me preach, but man, you like him even better. God, right? he, God directly spoke through... How, why would you go somewhere else, we ask? You had this wonderful God, and you had his message right in front of your eyes and ears. Why would a Why would a Flugerville neighbor who doesn't know where he's going in life walk across the street to a psychic soccer mom? Why? Why would any of us unsatisfied with the answers that God is giving us? Turn down the volume of God in our lives so we can go turn up the volume to what we really want to hear. Why would any of us turn off the preaching and teaching of the church from coming to us every week, every Sunday? Every day, God's word. Why would we turn that off? Why would any of us turn away from God's way to find our own way? Those are all the same question. We want to ask the ancient Israelites why. They're going to ask us why. And here's the answer. We're not hearing what we want to hear. We want something else. That's it. It's the bottom line. You don't like the stuff that God is peddling. You're going to look somewhere else to find what you want to hear. You don't like what God's doing in your life. You're going to go to something else to be your God. That's why. It says if... We're okay with making friends with the devil as long as he gives us what we want. Rather than being friends with God who doesn't always give us what we want. You know, ask Adam and Eve about that one. The devil in disguise coming to Eve as an, as a, as an animal snake wasn't probably as icky to her as it is to most of us. Getting her to doubt God, question God, and listen to his lie. You and I know that same sin, folks. Jesus' words say this, Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. When we think that we want something that God doesn't want us to have, or we don't want something that God does want us to have, or we think that God doesn't get it, he's not understanding what's going on in our world, or that think that he's not providing the answers that he should be, and we turn somewhere else, it's because we love the darkness. It's because we're willing to sell our souls to evil, and it doesn't bother us. 
That's what's going on. The devil loves it. God is not amused. So God asks us, this is now part of Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Those are two funny words there, whisper and mutter. Um, it, it, it literally means who chirp and who, who moan and groan. Right? He's saying you're con- you go somewhere else for answers. And those answers are like a cheep, 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 like a bird chirping. Now, when was the last time you heard a bird chirping and stopped everything you were doing and said, whoa, hold on, wait a minute, I hear a sparrow. Yes, there's a sparrow. Listen, chirp, chirp. Ah, that's the best advice I'm going to get all day. You're lying in bed in the morning, you got 20 minutes before you got to get to work and you hear the sparrow outside and you say, oh, the sparrow says I shouldn't go to work today. God, that's what God's saying. He's saying you're, you're being ridiculous when you turn to other things that you, you cannot trust, that are not 100% accurate, and that actually want your downfall more than anything else. So they're not innocent like sparrows are. They're worse. Why don't you, why don't you listen to the one who created the sparrow? Here's what he says, chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, now now this is God's response to him saying, don't seek out other information, don't go to mediums and spiritists, stay away from the occult. People do, and God says, now now what am I going to do? What should I do with you people that you're looking for answers elsewhere and you're turning away from me? What should I do? Here's what he says, chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he, God, humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. That's where all this took place in Isaiah. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. He's, he's describing the, a, a geographical area there. That's, that's Palestine. That's Galilee. That's where we watch Jesus in our video operate in his ministry. And that was a there was a corridor in ancient times of armies. They would go back and forth on this corridor and it just got trampled. And God's people had set up there and they got trampled. It was their own fault because they invited them in. And now, in Old Testament times, it says that's, that God says that's going to turn around. There's some interesting words in that section. I highlighted them. Humbled and honored. Here's what those words tell us. All those bad results, all the outcomes, the the famine, the hunger, the frustration, the darkness, the gloom that was described, right? It is very true that God's Old Testament people brought that on themselves. And you and I bring that on ourselves too if we're going to ignore God. And it's true that the kingdom of darkness was at work and the kingdom of darkness wanted that more than anything else to make this land dark and gloomy and to shroud over it with guilt and shame and to put their claws into people's souls and to bring them down and down and down. So you have, I am at fault, the kingdom of darkness is at fault, but here's what this is telling us. God is at work in this. 
God may very well send you something that looks and feels like darkness. Or may just let the devil do it. Not, not because God is angry. Not because he's pushing you from above into hell. That's not how God operates. But he will let you be dark for a moment. He will let you experience the consequences of you turning away from him and the gloom and the guilt and the shame for a moment so that you are humbled. So that you say, I'm, I messed up. I shouldn't do this. Having my palm read is not a good idea. Missing my daily Bible reading is not a good idea. Skipping out on God and God's community of saints around me to hold me accountable and encourage me is not a good idea. Finding my own way when God says go the other way is not a good idea. God, I'm humbled. I'm sorry. And God says, nevertheless, you are honored. Nevertheless, God says, I will chase the gloom away for you. The darkness will not last. The darkness will turn to light. And then here's what God did. Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Um, Chad referred to this earlier. This is our video. says that Jesus went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Same area that we just heard about. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. There are three great kingdom of darkness ending truths in that section that I want us to end with today. Great encouragements and truths for us who too often dabble with darkness, who live in a world where darkness is around us no matter what we do, even in our own souls. Three things we need to hear so that we walk out of here with a smile, with firm faith in what God is up to, and believing that the darkness does not ever overcome us. Here we go. Truth number one. When we are looking for information and answers, well, we just want, we, I just want data, okay? I want data from my medical team to read the tests and give me what's going on so I can deal with it, right? We, we are people who want answers and data and information, and God doesn't always give it to us all the time. And so when we go seeking it somewhere else, we can find data and answers even in bad places, God says, I'm going to do something better than that. Jesus came and lived among us. God says, I'm going to give you more than answers. Ans that's not good enough. I don't want to give you guidance. God says, I'm going to save your soul. I'm going to come to you and change your world. And so Jesus, the light of the world, embraces us from the outside in. 
Your salvation, your, your identity, your status with God, your certainty in life, doesn't, it's, it comes from the outside in. And, and that's what Jesus means when he says the, the light shines in darkness. God's light is not a flashlight. It shows me light right there. It lights up the world. It encompasses you and surrounds you and you're bathing in light from God. It's everywhere around you. And then he enlightens you from the inside out. Meaning, you don't find your answers out there somewhere. You find them in you, but not your natural you, not your own heart, not your feelings. You find them in you because Jesus is there. And that's how he guides you with his spirit and, and enlightens you and shows you the way. And you're still a little confused sometimes because the darkness is out there and we're weak human beings, but that's the, that's the first point. Jesus doesn't, he's not just a teacher, he's a savior. And he doesn't just guide you, he comes to you and he lives with you. And Colossians 1 verses 9 to 13 says a lot here. You can look this up later. Um, I'm going to give you some of its words here. Um, words like this. God fills you with wisdom and understanding. That you live a life worthy of the Lord that pleases Him in every way. You're strengthened with all power. You're a holy people living in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Darkness cannot have you. It will not have you. It will not overwhelm you. And Jesus makes sure of it. Whether that's the darkness of your own sin and guilt, whether that's the darkness of misunderstanding or, or ignorance or confusion, whether that's the darkness of separation between you and something that you think is important for you to have, the darkness of the past, the darkness of the future, it doesn't own you and it can't tell you what to do. That's what Jesus says and that's what Colossians just said. Number two. Star Wars has two sides, doesn't it? You and I cheer for the rebellion. The rebellion in Star Wars is always going to be a rebellion. They're always going to be rebelling against something bad, evil. Even when we as followers of Jesus have the, his light in our lives and it's encompassing and it's embracing for us, even when we have that, there is going to be darkness. Until Jesus comes again, we live in heaven forever. Until then, there's going to be darkness. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. Be prepared to fight. And here's how you fight. You follow Jesus, the light of the world. He says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. With spirit clashes of angelic grit, spirit against spirit, bad against good. Jesus' kingdom, he says, comes near. Do you want it? Say yes. Will you follow it? Say yes. Will you repent? 
and change your ways because of it. Say yes. Yeah, Jesus says the same thing. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. John chapter 8, verse 12. Third thing, last thing. When the kingdom of light surrounds you like daylight, and when Jesus is enlightening you from the inside, and you, you walk as a child of the light, and it chases the darkness away, and the darkness doesn't own you, it changes you. And here's one of the ways it changes you. You, you see people differently. You see them not as the enemy, but as victims of the enemy. I'm talking about unbelievers here. I'm talking about people in your life who don't have Jesus and need Jesus. I'm talking about people who frustrate and irritate you too. And maybe they're unbelievers, maybe they're not. But they're not the enemy. When they're doing something bad and something wrong and they're, they're guilty of sin and in the worst way, they're, they're not the enemy. When... When the government doesn't do what you want the government to do, it, the government is not your biggest enemy. Chill out. Rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil, they're your worst enemy. So when we're in, encompassed with this light, we see things differently. We see people differently and we see them as victims of the enemy. And we want to get Jesus the light of the world to them. Whatever it takes. And guess what? Here's, here's how that'll work. When you are a ch child walking in the light, other people see you differently. Other people observe you. They see how you manage stress. They see how you interact with people. They see your car pull out of the driveway every Sunday morning and, and return about lunchtime. And they, they say, boy, there's something different about that person. I want what they have. Pay close attention to the Bible. Jesus says he's the light of the world, but he doesn't stop there. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Not L-I-T-E either. You're the light. You have Jesus' light. And the world looks at you and sees him. They see you differently because they see Jesus in you. And these can be your children, these can be your neighbors, these, this can be your direct reports at work, these can be family from a distance. They see you and they see Jesus in you. And you are bringing them into the light a little bit at a time. Keep that up. Don't give up that effort. See them differently too. There's a, there's a picture that I like. It's a painting. And if I had to give you one picture that describes spiritual warfare, it wouldn't be demons and dragons and cloths and fire and seven-eyed monsters and blood. And It would be this. This is spiritual warfare. A father, after a long day, kneeling at the bedside of his child who is sleeping in prayer. 
And there's a few things going on here, because if you see further into the background, you see there's angels. Good angels. God's good angels. And there's this, so this picture gives us this glimpse. The physical world, and then through the physical world, we see the spiritual world, the spirit world. And this is spiritual warfare. Why? Because this, this guy, is, he's, he's a busy dad, but he's at peace. Despite all the, all the battle, the fight that's going on, he's at peace. And when you are at peace, then you are better able to help others find peace too. When you are, are good with everything, all the chaos around you, even the spirit world wanting your soul and the kingdom of darkness operating at its best, and you can be at peace and find time in your day to kneel by the side of a child and say a prayer, then, then they're going to be protected and, and safe and at peace in the kingdom too. And so, that's spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual warfare of someone who not in an excessive way, but in a peace-filled way says, you know, there's something going on here. And God says, more than you know, my child. More than you know. Amen.